Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. This is Season 1, Chapter 3. The theme of this season is how to make more money with balloons. In the first chapter, we listened to the interview of Sue Boller, and she introduced us on the various levels of the profession of decor. And adding a decor work into your income, into your vectors of working with balloons, is something that definitely you should consider. I'm personally doing this and adding decor as a service that I upsell to all of my birthday events. In the second chapter, we listened to the interview of Patrick Vandeven, and he gave a few tips that basically takes the traditional line work and revolutionize it into something that gives more value. And obviously, as the theme implicates, when you give more value, you can charge more money and get more money with your balloons. So that's why we listened to chapter two with the tips about the line work. And now... It's chapter three. And this time we're going to listen to Mr. Fudge. Mr. Fudge is a well-known balloon twister. He did many YouTube videos and even DVDs that explain how to do his balloon recipes. He's very creative. But the topic and the reason why we're interviewing him to the Balloon Artist Podcast is that during the last few years... Mr. Fudge or Jonathan Fudge was very active on the business level and created an agency around him. This agency serves customers in Florida area, in specific areas in Florida, and he offers multiple services like even face painters, magic shows, game leaders, and of course balloon twisting and balloon decor. What I really want you to pay attention to is not the fact that he decided to create an agency, although, yeah, you can consider that as well. What I would pay attention to is the way that Mr. Fudge handles prospects over the phone. I have to say, he's a genius in how he describes things to the customer. You will need to pay extra attention to what Mr. Fudge says. So, without further ado... Here is Mr. Fudge. Hi there, everybody. Today we have with us Jonathan Fudge, also known as Mr. Fudge. I've been following you, Mr. Fudge, for uh, many years now, watching uh, your videos over YouTube and uh, really admiring your designs. And it's a great honor to have you on the show. Hello, Jonathan. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks. So before we start, can you... Tell a little bit for our audience and our listeners, uh, like uh, the journey that you've been through uh, with balloons uh, as a professional. Uh, certainly. Uh, I started when I was really young. I was about eight years old at a summer camp. I went to the summer camp and like every other child at that camp looked for something fun and exciting to do. Uh, it happened to be that I wanted to learn magic. The magician also taught balloons and I took both of his classes and I annoyed the snot out of that guy. I kept asking for this and asking for that until finally he threw a bag of balloons at my feet and said, if you can blow these up, then I'll teach you whatever you want to learn. 
So kind of started with that. And then every year I'd go back and learn a little bit more. And I actually was able to blow up balloons at eight years old. And I started learning dog, hard, sword, monkey, and just kept going from there. When I was about 16, my aunt asked me to volunteer at a school. At that school, I uh, twisted balloons for a number of kids at an elementary school. And I told them all, this is not my job, but this is my hobby. The next year, I got asked to go back again, and I got to tell them all, this is not my hobby. This is my job. And <laughs> it was tons of fun. So at 16, 17, I was doing this as Mr. Fudge, your balloon man, the coolest, most awesome balloon twister out there. At least that's what I told myself. I was uh, blessed to be able to go to convention after convention and learn from all kinds of different people, some of the best in the world. And your balloon man took off, started making tons of money with that, found out my friends were also entertainers. Uh, then I kind of expanded your balloon man into your total entertainment. Now, what is your total uh, entertainment and uh, YTE events today? Um, just this past year, I picked up some decorating, and now I'm doing affairs in the air balloon d- decor. And my overall company umbrella, I guess, would be YTE events and balloon decor. So that's what I've been doing now here recently. And uh, yeah, gone on quite the journey from the individual balloon guy up to a massive agency of different types of entertainment and back down to master of all things balloons in my market. And uh, so you, you come from uh, Tampa, Florida, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, west coast of Florida and Tampa, Florida near St. Pete, Clearwater, all that good jazz. Cool. So uh, it's really interesting because I remember watching your YouTube clips and watching your twisting abilities and you always uh, seemed to be like a, like a very uh, entertaining guy to watch and I really hoped to see you in an event one day and uh, maybe we could meet on a jam room one day. So um, it's interesting that you chose to go also into basically the business side of having a production house and also to do the decor. Can you share a little bit that story of how you grew into it, into a production house of multiple talents? Yeah, of course. I actually started in the business side of things way beyond and way before I got into the balloon side of stuff. I uh, used to sell candy in my elementary school and I made probably $350, $400 a week in profit, which was more than most adults made uh, in their full-time jobs at the school I went to. So I definitely had an interest in business before the balloons. Uh, it was just something that kind of helped the balloons later on. I also, since I love business so much, when I was hanging out with my friends that did juggling and magic and fire breathing and all this other stuff, and they told me that they were making coffee at a local cafe that they were flipping burgers or that they just didn't have a job and were struggling to pay rent. I had this mental disconnect. I had no idea how they could go throughout their entire lives being so extremely talented and not being able to turn that into money. It took me a very long time to realize that entertainment and business are two completely different things. And the blessing that I had of learning business before I was introduced to the entertainment was truly a blessing and something that I almost took for granted, really. So when you say business, I assume you're talking mainly about uh, the ability to market yourself and the ability to sell 
your services. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that is true. But also just the mindset behind business, just the thought and idea that everything is a commodity, everything can be replaced. But at the same note, you know, there's a replacement value that everything has too. So when you realize that you can buy candy from the store for 50 cents, but you can sell it at a school for $5, that's kind of a huge gap and disconnect. Um, you may know that that happens because you've seen it, but to understand why that happens, I think is a much deeper meaning. I understand. Yeah. So you started to grow uh, and uh, offer multiple services and help your friends on the, on the way. But uh, surely it was uh, like a, a different challenge for you in terms of getting the YTE brand out and, uh, you know, yeah, even building your website, which is very nice. So can you tell us a little bit that story? When I first started as someone trying to help their friends get more work, it was not about doing anything more than, hey, I'm a balloon guy. Hey, by the way, do you also want a fire performer? Like, it, I wasn't really at the top of the game. I frankly would probably laugh at myself looking back at it, you know? <laughs> when it all comes down to it, my goal was not to make a tons of money. My goal was to help my friends do something they love. The business side, as far as paying bills went, wasn't a big motivator for me, especially in the beginning. I was still in high school. I made plenty of money in high school. I was living with my parents. I didn't have any bills. I didn't even have a cell phone until I was 17, 18 years old, which was way behind many of the other people I was in school with. So the first step I took in getting more of these entertainers work had nothing to do with me getting a paycheck out of it. In fact, I joke all the time about how I went from 50 grand a year down to 15 grand a year just because I gave away all my gigs. I thought it was way more important that I support other people than it was for me to make money, which, yes, that was helpful, but that wasn't proper business. So as I grew in this Your Balloon Man, who also has fire performers, I realized how ridiculous it sounded to people that this balloon guy who automatically has a name that sounds like a joke, not to mention the whole Mr. Fudge, your balloon man, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this guy's going to offer us fire performers that are come to our house, light things on fire, and spin them around next to our drapes. Like, it just did not seem like a smart thing for them to invest in. So I realized that maybe the name was an issue that was pulling away from credibility. So I renamed ourselves Your Total Entertainment as in we are total entertainment. I later found out that your total entertainment is really long and hard to fit on a business card. Hmm. So I rebranded again. So now it's white. It was first YTE Tampa, but almost immediately I found out that I was way beyond Tampa and that there was no way I wanted to limit myself to just Tampa. So I immediately rebranded to YTE events, kept most of all the same concepts and colors as YTE Tampa but change it to YTE events. Um, and luckily I had a graphics team that was able to help me do that. But that's kind of the story of how I went from single guy to multiple entertainers. And uh, can you tell us like uh, a little bit, how many people are, are, are serving uh, your customers through YTE events? Okay. These um, days. 
Yeah, well, we have about, I'd say, 6 to 12 full-time working every weekend entertainers, but we have about 300 subcontractors on record. So we send out, I think it was like 56 1099s last year. So that means 56 people in my company made over $700. So some of those way more, but some of those uh, just reached that, if that gives an idea of kind of the size of YTE events now. That's so awesome. Cool. Thanks for sharing. And uh, you also uh, said mentioned that you went into Deco lately, and I would love to hear about that because me myself is I'm also struggling to use the Deco as an extra income, an extra uh, income vector, and I used it. I use it uh, with upsells on birthdays and uh, newborn parties. And uh, I would love to learn a little bit about what kinds of decor do you do? Yeah, of course. A lot of my decor is corporate. A lot of my decor uh, has to do with the sports teams I work with. Um, some of it is birthday parties. But to be quite frank with you, I've only started decor here in the last six months, maybe. Um, I bought Affairs in the Air balloon decorating from Linda Kiss out of Tampa, Florida. She's been around for a long time. Well over 20 years, she's a master in her field, really knows what she's doing. She teaches at learnballoondecorating.com, I think it is. So you can see more about what she actually does. The website's horrible, but awesome class. But um, I went to that, uh, or wanted to go to that, rather, and she told me no because I was in Tampa. And when she was ready to sell her business, she came to me and said, you know what, you've asked me for the past 10 years about my business, and I'm willing to sell it to you. But here's what's going on. And she kind of gave me the lay down of what she was looking for. It worked for me. And I said, awesome. I jumped on it probably last year, I'd say. I finished the payment on that. And I told her, I said, don't advertise me. Don't tell anybody that I'm doing it yet because I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it wasn't that I didn't know how to do it. It's just that I didn't want to handle all the extra work because I was just finishing up a busy season with my entertainment business. Um which is somewhere between September and December uh, here in Tampa. So I finished up all that, and I would get one or two little gigs, um, nothing huge. And then just here in the past six months, I did one big event. And that one event led to three or four more things, and then more things, and then I updated the website, and then more phone calls came in. And I got two phone calls today, one on making a balloon backdrop with a corporate logo on it so i actually do a two-pack garland uh, two-pack balloon wall which is going to be very labor intensive it's probably about 2,000 balloons about 70-ish hours man hours and when i get done with all that it's going to look phenomenal uh, we're looking to do that probably in three days they called me last minute but i happen to have all the colors so that's good and uh then i got another one for a first birthday party so yeah, I get to do all kinds of cool, amazing stuff with the decor. I really love doing that. It actually is a lot more fun for me. I think that I'm going to be able to employ more people uh, for more hours doing the decor, which means I'm going to get to help pay more people's mortgages, which is really how I judge my success, how many people I can have support themselves through my company doing what they love. That's so awesome. The deco work that you do, you mentioned backdrops. Do you use your talent as a twister on those? I believe that my approach to decor is different because I was a twister first. When I first got into 
decorating, I'd look at a figure and I'd say, man, that's so ugly. Why would you use round balloons for that? It looks so much more precise with 260s or 350s or 646s. Or Why can't you buy a six-foot heart and just do it the right way the first time? So I would have these real critical thoughts about figures and shapes. But now that I'm doing the core more often, I realize what it's about. It's not about necessarily being accurate every time to the T, which I think is the direction some of our twisters go, which is great. It's more about finding really the core of my values anyway. What's quick, fast, and impressive that'll make an impact, that'll tell a message, tell a story, and make the money so you can go home and spend time with your family. And I found that with decor, I can focus on the mathematical side of things, how bubbles get smaller and bigger. I stay away from like the YouTube same size every bubble thing, you know? But as I'm making these graduated columns, as I'm making uh, six-foot versions of people, as I'm recreating a fisherman in a boat for a guy's retirement party, as I'm doing a corporate logo, I get to work on things in that fun puzzle sense of things where I'm solving problems, I'm uh, approaching things in a different direction so that I can make something unique and different. And it doesn't have to be absolutely precise to the millimeter which is where I was coming through with the twisting side of things. So that's where it's really liberated me. That's so interesting because it's actually a state of mind that is different, that you were willing to accept that basically the idea of uh, doing a deco walk is not necessarily making a reproduction of of something which is real, but actually to create an atmosphere or to create an experience and hopefully to do it in a way that will be beneficial for you and will not take too long to create, right? Yes, that's correct. Mostly beneficial for my clients. But uh, yeah, the real challenge with the core is I can design out a very intricate sculpture that I can twist. However, to have my team, who are also very talented and probably could do it, but to have my team create that same sculpture, it's going to take way longer at the very least. So by focusing on decor patterns that utilize the round balloons using uh, machines where we can literally blow up bubbles out of round five-inch balloons that are two inches in diameter all the way up to three foot wide and creating stuff out of these Lego blocks, essentially, we're able to be more precise and more consistent and quicker than we could be if I tried to give someone twisting instructions. Interesting. I have to ask, when you look at pictures these days, you know, over Facebook, pictures of a great arch or a great deliverable that was posted in one of the Facebook groups, do you nowadays look at it differently now that you are in the, the deco world? Uh, whereas before I would have ignored arches and columns and that kind of thing, I now look at them, which I think is a big jump all in of itself. Yeah. If I see something that looks uh, aesthetically pleasing, I'll typically save it to a folder to reference for later. So, yeah, I, I do. Now I kind of collect pretty things out of balloons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's really an amazing experience for a twister to suddenly take a look at all those round balloons and say, wow, that's really beautiful. So how do you do, you do your marketing for your decor work? Uh, the marketing for the decor work is actually kind of interesting. I purposely try not to market. So everything that I've gotten from decor has been from word of mouth and people 
begging their friends to tell them who did the work for them. That's interesting. So only word to mouth and referrals from customers. And uh, obviously that works well for you. Well, it works well for me because I have multiple businesses. And so I'm rather than trying to push for massive amounts of work right now, my focus in my company is to raise the quality of my work overall, not just the decor and balloons and twisting and that nature and stuff that I personally do, but I want to make the office work more efficient. I want to make the contracts, contracts more precise. I want to make the phone scripts tighter. I want to make the instructions for being a games master at a party. I want them to be well-written. I want the ninjas that go out to know what it's like to be a ninja, the princesses, etc. Because if my company is not solid in its infrastructure, then it won't handle a large influx of extra work. However, if I do great work, my company will automatically grow. I was just reading an article this morning talking about exponential growth in companies and explaining that if someone had a higher percentage of growth in the beginning because they were aggressively seeking additional work, their space of time that they're ahead in business, relatively speaking, is not that huge. After two years, it's literally a two-month difference. Wow. That, yeah. That, that's, uh, that's interesting. So basically, the article suggests that... Uh, natural growth and creating a business which is uh, which has a unique proposition which has a very high quality service is more important in a sense than doing uh, aggressive marketing is that right that's what the article was suggesting yes it's true now that doesn't mean that I throw out marketing but that means that I am way more focused on my quality control than I am on my getting the name out there interesting. You know, this reminds me of um, what you said earlier about the script of your phone call. And basically, your phone call is very interesting because uh, that's really the first impression of some of the people that want to hire your services because maybe they didn't see you ever. They just heard your number somewhere from someone. And now the way that you talk with them, that, that the words that you choose will will define their first impression. The words very much define your first impression. And they very much allow or deter the client from selling themselves, which is way easier than selling a client. Can you share a little bit of tips about how you conduct uh, a phone conversation with a new prospect? Like how long will the call be? Uh, maybe a little bit about what's important for you to say first. Certainly. I start most of my phone calls. Uh, I have a couple different companies, so I answer them differently because of that, depending on which phone rings. But it starts off, Jonathan Fudge, you're Total Entertainment. How may I help you today? And in which case, they usually say something to the effect of, uh, yes, I'm calling to find out about a bubble performer for this party. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, can I get a little bit of information from you first? Sure. Then I ask questions. So that builds some rapport. So I ask the date, time, location, number of kids, what they're looking for, try to figure out what kind of picture it is they're trying to build in their mind. I try to determine, usually without directly asking them, but I try to determine why they picked that type of performer, why they thought that was going to be the best bet for them, and what exactly it is they're trying to accomplish. Sometimes what they tell me is, 
exactly on par with what I would suggest. But when they call me up and say, yeah, I want a face painter and a caricature artist for my daughter's uh, 10th pool party, I say, yeah, that's great. But you don't want a face painter because face paint washes out from the pool. And do you really want a caricature artist to come out and draw a bunch of girls in bathing suits? Just really doesn't work. So instead, I can give them the same type of experience by giving them, I don't know, maybe a games master to give them some games to then they can go cool off in the pool. Or I can give them a glitter tattoo artist that does glitter tattoos that doesn't come off in the water or airbrush. I can also give them an option of something other than a caricature artist. So maybe they want an actual magic show, a bubble performer, or maybe I just find a female caricature artist so it's not as weird. So those are different uh, things that I can do uh, throughout that part of the conversation. And then rather than pitching them on exactly what I offer in the price, I pitch them on a story. Okay, so for your daughter's party, what we're going to do is we're going to have everybody walk in to the house. As they walk in, they're going to see a giant Elsa balloon castle that we're going to make. We're going to make a wall backdrop that they walk through. It'll be an awesome entrance. And as they walk in, they'll see over to the right, there's a glitter tattoo artist that's putting Elsa-themed snowflake glitter designs on their arms and hands. And then to the left, there's going to be Elsa greeting everybody and doing story time and games and activities. And this is going to last, I don't know, maybe an hour or so, in which case the glitter tattoo artist is going to wrap up and head out. And then you're going to sit down and do the cakes where Elsa's going to sing happy birthday. And then you're going to have cake and presents. And then after that, you can split ways and you've had a wonderful, amazing party. You've got a few minutes beforehand to do this, a few minutes after to do that. And now you have a wonderful, amazing two-hour party that everyone loves and enjoys. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Amazing. I love it. That's perfect. I'd love to do that. Can we get a snow machine? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, we can do a snow machine. Let me call Zygmunt over in uh, Clearwater and see if I can pull something together for you. So by building it, that image, and then giving a price for the whole thing, yeah, that's awesome. That's going to be twelve fifty. Oh, that's a little out of our budget. Well, that's okay. We can take away Elsa. We can take away this. We can take away that. No one wants to take away anything. So they will struggle to keep as much as possible and will probably take away the balloon wall and then be left with just a standard two full column, two half column castle type entrance with columns. And so now they still have that type of an entryway, not exactly perfect to the theme they were looking at, not exactly as outstanding and wow factor as before but now they can do the same thing and instead of being 1250 maybe it's closer to 750 so that's the kind of thing that i work to do um and at the end of it i you know say thank you and move on now if they don't if they're struggling with prices or they want to fight over this and that that's okay that's just not what i do so what i do is i say great let me get your email or fill out an event request form online i prefer to do that anyway then i can respond with an email and I just give them my list of prices. I say, here are my prices. Call me when you decide you want something. And I just kind of leave it at that. So, And how do they book? Uh, I have them fill out an event request form online. And then I send them an email confirming a price for their package. If they say yes, then I put it in a contract and send it back to them. Uh, I use Manager Sal. It's just a program that I use yeah. here out of uh, U.S. I've been using it for like three years or so now. That's awesome. Uh, I have one question, though. I really loved your pitch and the way you picture it. Like, uh, I want this uh, Elizabeth birthday for my kids. 
and uh, and Elsa and Anna, you know, the, the the movie Frozen here in Israel, it's it's a bomb. Like the kids will sing it in my magic show, or <laughs> every time we will all sing, let it go, let it go. So uh, with that said, you say, you said something very interesting. You said uh, that it will take. Uh, almost an hour, like yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah, it will take an hour, something like that. Like you, you weren't uh, said something that sounded like a script, but I, I imagine that it is something that was intentional. What do you think? I, my goal with all that is to lower the expectations for the time that my entertainers will be there, so that I give my price. If they say nothing about the twelve fifty. But they say, well, my party's two hours. I say, okay, well, we can extend the time if you like. And then I can send them the price list. It's $175 an hour for a princess. It's $125 an hour for a glitter tattoo. So that's $100 to $300 extra. And now you have, at $1,500, you have them for two hours. I'm not going to charge you extra for the entranceway piece. That's a huge balloon build that will come and set up early for you. That's even something you can keep for the whole week if you wanted to. Or we can pull it down for you at the end of the party. Awesome. Uh, I really feel like it helps to picture the, the, the experience, like you're inside their heads, taking them to walk inside the, the, the future party that they really want to make. So by, by just by tweaking the words into, into fitting your own business needs, but also at the same time to be flexible in a way. Yeah. That's One of the most recent books I've been reading uh, it talks about just a concept that I used in my script there. And that is that people value things based on scarcity. So when you give them a lot of different things and then you start to take things away, there's a, a sense, a trigger that turns on in their brain that is almost subconscious that says, no, wait, I need it. It's more valuable now. And then they want it. So like I said, my goal is not to pitch people, to sell people. I have great quality stuff. I think that my stuff is probably even cheaper than it should be as far as price points go. But my goal is not to sell my clients on that. My goal is to know that and to believe that and to give them the opportunity to purchase our goods and services, not to fight with them. If you're fighting with them, then you're either devaluing yourself you're pricing too high or you don't respect your clients or your entertainers enough to maintain where you're at. So I would rather have a positive buying experience all the way around. And that's really what my focus is about with my scripts. So if someone will start the call by asking uh, how much is, uh, you know, the how much question, how do you tackle that? Uh, that's a wonderful question. I have a whole price list I'd be happy to send you. Uh, in the meantime, can I get some more information about your party so I can get a more accurate estimate as to what we're actually doing? Wonderful. So you you answer it positively. Uh, you encourage uh, the follow-up option. So, yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah, and one of the things that I do specifically with that is I offer to give them the entire price list. I want them to know that there's a menu of services that we offer, and I don't want you to feel like you're jumping for it. In fact, my price list is listed on my website. It's purposely put there in a way that people don't see it and they don't know to click on it, but it is there. 
So I say, hey, I'd love to walk you through my website and show you where the prices are or shoot you them in an email if you like, if that's easier. But in the meantime, let me try to get some more information from you, figure out exactly what it is you're looking for, and we'll see if we can put a package together that's perfect just for you. I have to ask you something, Jonathan. Yep. Like, uh, there's a lot of entertainers in your territory, uh, from, from, your, from your knowledge, uh, use the tactic of putting the price on, your, on their website? Some of them do, some of them don't. I found out that I was getting more calls asking about prices than I was getting bookings. So I also have some good friends that are not entertainers that said that they would never, ever consider using a company that did not post their prices because they would either assume they were too high or assume that they change every time someone calls. Exactly. So I went ahead and posted mine because I could. Um, frankly, I don't care if someone books me or not. I'm going to make enough money to pay for my family either way because I know what it's like to hustle and I can do that. The only concern is that maybe my entertainers might be discouraged because they don't like the idea of the prices being there because they think I'm better at selling over the phone or some other reason. But really what I found is that it makes everything more efficient for me. So I post prices because I no longer have to worry about that price question, how much, because yeah. I've already answered it. The only reason they're calling me is either because they found me some other method than my website, which means I want them to go to my website. Or they didn't even click through my website. They went straight to contact. They're obviously looking for prices. They've opened up seven different windows on their browser, calling everyone in the city to find out how much this, that, or the other is, in which case I have no problem with that. But I want to capture them and intrigue them in such a way to break their frame of reference and frame of thinking so that I can have a conversation and a relationship that stands out from all those other companies. That's so interesting. So you basically uh, decided to share the prices with your customers because it helps you with the, with the call, but it actually helps your customers at the same time because they feel confident and they trust you. Correct. That's so awesome. I also do that. I also put my prices uh, on, on the website. It's not a very obvious location, but it does have a lot of links into this, this page. So I do feel like uh, it's a fair, fair location, just not, you know, too exposed. And I use the same tactic. I really appreciate the way you, you do it. Well, thank you. So uh, moving on. So uh, we talked a little bit about, um, about, uh, how you expanded your business uh, into YTE events and how you now started to go into decor and using all of your expertise into uh, the decor. And I would like to ask you a little bit about uh, conventions. And uh, I understand you have a, a, a teaching gig uh, now. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm going to be... Um instructing at Capitol Convention 2016. I think this is in January up in Washington, D.C. So I'll be teaching two classes. I'll be teaching one on business and another one on essentially line work. Uh, more than line work, it's on how I chose the twisting shapes that I did, why I do the shapes that I do, and how I essentially judge what is a good or a bad design for high turnover type events. So it's not about... Uh, learning a recipe or a few recipes. It's more about learning uh, the way of thinking of a twister. 
Correct. Now, I do show 30 different designs in that class. Uh, those 30 different designs, I'm hoping to have a DVD of those designs ready and pulled together so that I can at least offer that if someone wants to know those. I'd be more than happy with anyone at the convention to show them or at another convention to show them <clears throat> in a jam room. Um, but that's not really what the class is about. The class is about speed techniques, what sets aside of different figures for me and why I chose them, and then also different ways to really add that oomph to, I say line-working event, but that could be restaurant, a birthday party, anywhere you're really focusing on knocking some balloons out and getting that wow. That's so interesting. And what are your plans for the business class? What kind of, uh, of a lecture is that going to be? Uh, for the business class, most of what I cover is how to double and triple your income. Now, that can be done any different way, and you may choose to do it one way. Someone else may choose it to do it another, but I'm just trying to offer some ideas and some methods, some roads that you could take to do that. So some of those include um, changing what you offer, the way you offer it, you know, the pitch, if you will, right? Yeah. Uh, some of those involve adding different things to your entertainment. Maybe you can be a games master. Maybe you can do arts and crafts. Maybe you can do um, have ninjas come out and perform for you. But that's not everybody's route either. So another thing I'm going to be covering is what I call the price chart, which basically explains how you can make more money working less. And it's surprising. People hear it all the time, but it's surprising to actually see it written down. So I intend to write it down and show people. And also, I'm going to give some people some ways to increase their pay overnight. So that's going to become some of the cool things that I'm going to hit on there. Everything sounds super interesting for me. Um, uh, is the last part, the secret part, is that related also to raising prices? Uh, it doesn't have to be. Um, do you mind if I use you as an example? Yes. Okay. So when you go out to book an event, uh, if you're, um, you want to do, you do magic as well, right? Or balloons yeah. or, okay. So if you do magic show, how much is a magic show? In Israel, a magic show sells for between 250 and 300 US dollars. My beginning price for a two-hour event is uh, around uh, 400 US dollars, and I sell packages. So it's about 400 to 800 or 900 US dollars, depending on the package. Okay, so awesome. So you're doing packages and stuff too. So I... I should have assumed that you have your marketing down already. But um, let me start with, let's assume other people out there are not to where you're at. And let's just say the 250 is for a magic show. Yeah. So we're going to go on the low range just to give an example. Plus, it makes my math easier. Um, and then if they're doing balloons, what is it on average for a decent balloon artist in your area? So actually, they try to charge uh, just as much. Uh, sometimes they will go lower, like maybe uh, around 200 US dollars for a two-hour event. Okay, no, that's great. So uh, 200 for two hours? Yeah. Okay, so it'd be 100 an hour, essentially? Yeah. Okay, so an hour. I'm used to the per hour thing. So one of the things that I suggest is rather than selling a magic show for 250 and an upsell for 100 for balloons for another hour, you can say... 
oh, we have a wonderful package. We have magic and balloons. We interact and we bring the kids on stage and we sing a birthday song and we do all this cool stuff and we build this giant picture of everything before so that you can be all excited like we talked about with Elsa and describe everything that we're going to do. And that package is about two hours and is $350. So rather than saying it's 250 100 150 200 this that and the other and hey let's pretend like we're at an auction and confuse you with 500 numbers you know nothing about we're going to give it as a single package so all you've done is you've taken your one hour minimum magic show or 30 minutes or whatever it is and you've upped it your same rate you would normally charge right now but you've upped it to essentially a two-hour minimum and you have everything oh well that's awesome well you know i just want the magic show Oh, you know what? I can do the magic show. That's great. I can certainly put that together for you, but that's going to be 300. And I really think that extra hour of balloons for 50 bucks is going to make a difference for you. Well, you know what? I really was thinking maybe just the balloons would be fine. You know what? That's fine. I'll be happy to do that for you. We normally don't do a one hour minimum on the balloons, but I can do that for you for 175. I, I, I dig it. I dig it. I understand. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So, uh, Jonathan, uh, can you tell us, like, uh, if people want to learn more about you and see what you do, where, where should they go? Well, I try to make it to as many conventions as I can. Uh, that doesn't always work. Um, that being said, if you want to see what I was like when I was 16, 17, you can go to my YouTube channel. I think it's Your Balloon Man, and you can watch me making balloons with all kinds of cheesy jokes for hours on end. Uh, I have plenty of my people that I teach doing balloons that start out there, and by the time they're done, they tell me that anyone else on YouTube is better to watch, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, so that's a good place to kind of get to know my personality. Um, as we were talking earlier, I my personality on YouTube is not exactly my personality in person, so if you really want to get to know me, I suggest hanging out and having a good time, grabbing a, a coffee or even better, a bowl of ice cream. And then we can figure that out. And then, um, yeah, I'm at conventions. I try to make it to Twist and Shout. I've been to Florida Super Jam back when Diamond Jam was around. I was there. I've been to Millennium Jam. I try to make it to as many places as I can. I'm going to try to make it to more decor conventions now that I'm doing decor. So I'm hoping to be at World Balloon, at Float, uh, any of those as well. So if you see me around, you want to say hello, the best thing to do is just to come up and say hello. Awesome. And uh, we'll put uh, a few links in our show notes webpage with uh, YT events and uh, uh, your channel over YouTube and so on. So that if people want to uh, get the, the 360 degrees experience of Mr. Fudge, uh, then uh, they would be able to do that. And I encourage uh, your listeners out there, there is so much to learn from Mr. Fudge. Uh, not just on the twisting level, which is very high and very professional, but also on the way he sees uh, opportunity and the way he sees hard work, uh, no shortcuts, and uh, really making a good first impression. So I highly recommend uh, trying to understand uh, and reverse engineer his um, career paths. So with that said, I really like to thank you again. Uh, any final words for our listeners? Sure. I mean, uh, I post a lot of my photos on Instagram. So if you guys want to check that out, Your Balloon Man is pretty much every screen name I have on every social media site ever. So that's a good way to find me. 
But if you also have any other questions or comments or anything, feel free to give me a call. I'm always available. Awesome. So thank you again, Jonathan Fudge. It was a pleasure talking with you and uh, see you next time in the convention. Wow, what an interview. I really appreciated all of those tips and examples from Mr. Fudge. I love the way that he explains his services and the way that he actually paints a picture of the perfect event. Something that really takes your eyes out and makes you want to book the guy with all of the options that he gives. And when the customer needs to check the reality and understand that there is a cost to all of those services and he needs to take some out in order to create a reasonable budget for himself, it will be much better for him and for Mr. Fudge when he's taking only a little bit out and leaving most of Mr. Fudge's recommendations inside. That way, Mr. Fudge is able to sell more services, but more importantly, he is able to score better events, which will then lead to recurring business and more referrals and uh, more satisfaction for what we do. So I hope you enjoyed those tips. I've been using Mr. Fudge's ideas of how to portray your services to the customers in the phone calls that I make with my customers and those things work. It really helps me and I really hope it will help you. That's the end of the third chapter. I would like to recommend you two things. The first one, don't forget to remain till the end of the chapter to listen to the tip. And lastly, please go to theballoonartistpodcast.com and leave a comment on the chapter and tell us what you think about the website. We are putting additional resources inside. So please check it out. It will really mean a lot to me. See you next time on Chapter 4 of the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hi, welcome to the tip section of Chapter 3. Today's tip is about how to say thank you to your customers. I would like to first give credit. The tip is something that I've heard from a podcast named Magician Business. And this podcast is something that you should check out. It's a tip by itself, but uh, definitely it helps you learn more about pricing of entertainment and how to entertain in different ways, not just for magicians. In one of the chapters, though, there was a tip about sending a coffee card to your customers after the event. So here's what I do when I want to say thank you to my customers. It's a variation, of course. So what I do is I take pictures in the event from the actual benefits of the event, like the mother is kissing her son in his birthday or of the kids having a blast. I take a few pictures. I keep them in the directory for the event. I later take those pictures and incorporate them into a personalized thank you letter, which I print and I add to it a coffee card. So by that, when I send it to the customer, I'm actually sending him really good looking pictures of the customers and the birthday kid. And they look so good, the pictures that I 
imagine that the customer would like to put the branded thank you letter on top of the refrigerator. And of course, I give them the coffee card, so I say, I want to invite you to a cup of coffee and thank you for all of your time with me and your decision with me. And I also ask the customer to talk about me and share uh, my details with her friends so that additional uh, bookings will later be created from this letter. So my tip for today is say thank you to your customer Find a way to do it personalized because that way they will appreciate it more. And I have to say that in this world where the connection between people is so important, the personal connection, the relationship, it's so important. I highly recommend finding a way to say thank you, which is not simple, which shows your effort in saying thank you. And it will be the best investment you can find in terms of return on investment by saying thank you to your customer, to your existing customer, you're increasing the likelihood that the customer will hire you again. And that is just a great ROI, great return on investment. So I hope you enjoyed the tip for this chapter and I will see you soon in the next chapter of the Balloon Artist Podcast. See you guys. The Balloon Artist Podcast is brought to you by... Did it ever happen to you that someone asked for a yellow sword and you just didn't have any 260Q yellow? Well, it happened to me and I was so embarrassed of how unprofessional that is that I felt like I have to remember, I have to remember next time to buy that yellow 260s. For a long time, it happened to me that I just didn't have a good place to write down what is missing for me. That's where the idea for the balloon stock app was born. You can buy the balloon stock app for a very reasonable fee by looking for balloon stock on your mobile store, either on your iTunes or on your market. The balloon stock app supports a list of balloons that you choose their destiny. Maybe it's a list of your inventory. Maybe it's a list of what you want to buy. Maybe it's a list of balloons for a project. But the main thing is that this list is very easy to compile because of the auto search feature, because of the search by icon feature, because of the different filters. And after you compile that one list, It's so easy. You just press the cart icon and you can email the list either to yourself or to yourself and to your balloon provider according to your needs. Everything is super simple. I intend to put more features into the balloon stock app as soon as we have enough people on board. And I encourage you to try it out. The balloon stock app is available now. Join in and lock your price to the lower fee because the price will go up soon. I hope you enjoy Balloon Stock App and thank you for supporting it.